1: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, it has been a busy week in Lubbock, so we are joined by Texas Tech sideline reporter Chris Level to preview OU Texas Tech in the National College Football Roundup. We preview some of the best games in week nine, including Michigan, Michigan State and Texas Baylor. We wet the beak with Sunday's matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and Minnesota Vikings, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, October 28th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy, layman's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in October from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Monster Mansion of Money promotion Drawings are every 30 minutes. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now we're recording this way early than normal on Wednesday. And it's pretty simple, Ted. I want to go to the Thunder Lakers game.
0: That's <laughs> hey, it. I, I don't blame you. I don't so blame if something
1: you. happens Wednesday afternoon, we ain't going to talk about it because this is, this is not being recorded on wednesday night like usual please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment and before we get to the ou tech stuff ted birthday shout outs man they're they're coming in they're pouring in in a first brandon carter would like to wish his cat a happy 18th birthday
0: the cat guy huh i
1: like the only reason we are we are doing this his cat is named teddy and yes ted The cat is named after you. Wow. 18th birthday for a cat? Said he found the cat in Tulsa right after you guys uh, broke a two-year losing streak to Oklahoma State. So, yeah, the the cat is legitimately named after you. So, shout out to Teddy Carter the cat, 18th
0: birthday. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) Happy birthday to Allison Colt and Allison. Please forgive Bryce for forgetting a card. Please yeah. forgive him.
0: Yep, yeah, that's that's what guys do. Forget first, cards.
1: First birthday after they got married, and he forgot Ooh. a card. Ouch! It's it's okay, Bryce. You'll bounce back, man. You'll yeah. bounce back. And happy ninth birthday to Farah Frisbee. Farah, that's just that's an awesome name. Farrah. I like it. It's like Sarah, good. but with an F. Farah, fantastic. Also, if you want to sponsor the podcast. Email the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com and we'll get you all the information. Okay. To the football stuff, Ted, anything stand out to you? This is how we start every preview podcast. Anything stand out to you about what Lincoln said on the show last night that you did with.
0: Uh, well, nothing, nothing necessarily. I don't think, you know, he continues to say that he feels like there was a lot of things that it's it's never it's someone kind of different it's something different on every play and even the bad plays you feel like if if someone just does one thing a little bit different if one read is a little bit better if one person has a little bit better technique that it's all right there now whether or not people believe that i don't know that's up to them but lincoln he he seems sincere whenever he says that. He feels like this team is really close.
1: Yeah, and I think some, some people hear that and they're like, really? Really, they're close after what we saw yeah. in Lawrence? And maybe uh, I, I think a lot of people aren't concerned about the offense. I certainly am not, right? I, I think Caleb Williams, from everything I've been told, that kid is all about putting the work in and he wants to get better. Like he wants to be great. He's putting the time in away from practice. Like he's putting extra hours in because he cares. So I, I feel pretty good about where this offense is headed, but the way that the defense looked and you know, your assessment of things, how it went against Kansas, it just seems like it seems like they're not close on that side of the ball. Now, of course, getting those four starters back, and it sounds like Jalen Redmond's actually going to get some snaps in this game on Saturday, but getting those guys back is going to be a huge help, there's no doubt. But, man, to say that group is close, I mean, that's just – that is hard to believe, man. It's hard to believe.
0: Yeah, it is. I, You know, I honestly think that that Turner Yell – the impact he has on the defense is, is huge. It is. You can, you can tie directly with his absence. The OU defenses slide to where we are now. Um, You know, he just, he's, he's a great tackler. He's the best tackler on the team. Number one. And he's just got so much experience. He understands the defense better than anyone. And, He is always in the right place and he gets other guys in the right place. And it's you can't play defense well if you can't get lined up properly. And it's not as easy as you think to get lined up properly. The difference of a guy lining up, you know, a foot in the wrong direction is you getting cut off on a play and not being able to get there and it turns into a 10-yard game. I mean, that's that's how important it is to get lined up properly. And every defense lines up different to every formation, to every motion, to every shift, every single call that you have. You have to go through all of that, and you have to know it instantly. So uh, just getting him back is going to help a lot. But I'm also worried about how long he stays back. You know, Whenever you have a a soft tissue injury, as we saw against Texas, it doesn't take much for for it to bite on you again, and, and you're right back on the sideline.
1: Nightmare scenario. Is he he feels obligated to play in this game because of their struggles and then reaggravates the hand. That is a nightmare scenario. With what they have in November, with what they have coming up after the bye week, that is that is something I hope that they can avoid. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that would be that would be very bad for this defense.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, I thought Key Lawrence played Pretty much better than anyone out there uh, against Kansas. So his play, I think, is stepping up. But you still need definitely need Turner Yell. You
1: have to, you have to assume that the defense is going to play well Saturday, right? I mean, I, I just like to think that when when people are talking as much shit as they are on this group, like you have to, you know, those kids are hearing everything, right? They're reading all the stuff. Like they know what's being said about them. They're, there's no doubt. They got to hear and see all that stuff and be like, all right, we're going to show you something like that. I, I just really hope that's the way they react this situation. They, they got to play well, man.
0: I hope they react that way. Um, but you know, as well as I do that a lot of times, whenever the, the outside impression or even the impression in-house from the staff starts to change and the delivery from coaches starts to change and you can tell that they're frustrated and like there's this anxiety that falls over the whole defense that guys tend to go out and play that way too. Instead of being confident and feeling great about yourself and going out and flying to the football – um, not really worried about making mistakes. You're aggressive. Whenever things go bad, you get tentative and you start to worry and you start to maybe not take as many risks, which can be good, but it can also, you know, keep you from making plays. And we've seen fewer and fewer plays over the last couple of weeks. So I hope, I hope that's the case that we've got uh, a group that's confident, angry, and goes out and proves it.
1: Yeah, and then uh, offensively, it'll be interesting to see if Mario Williams and Mike Woods are able to go. Lincoln didn't sound very very confident in that when he addressed it in his presser. And they've had, they've had these scenarios where they've been hopeful that guys don't practice all week, but they're able to play. And that's just – that is not where you want to be. I mean, this isn't no. the NFL – where it's like, okay, yeah, that guy's making $10 million. He didn't practice all week. All right, let's go play the game. (laughs) That's it. It's just – it's a little different in college, but I'll say this, man. It would be very helpful if Mike Woods could play in this game because, man, I'll tell you right now, Tech's got some decent size in the back end, and they are physical. I mean, they are – even in their zone coverage stuff, very grabby group. Like you, they're going to make you fight through some contact, and they're going to dare the referees to call it. And that's that's the type of you know the type of scheme we've seen Mike Woods have success with because he is such a big physical guy.
0: Mm-hmm. No, he's got those good strong hands too. You're right. What well, they've got three corners that are six three over two hundred pounds. Right? It's it's a it's a big physical group, and they're old too.
1: Like
2: yeah.
0: Matt
1: Wells. No, we lost his job, and we'll get into that with our man Chris Level, who's the sideline reporter for Tech. But, man, they've got some old dudes. They attacked the transfer portal. They got old, and it's a physical group. Now, they don't have a ton of speed in the back end, but they do have
0: size and strength. Yeah. Yeah, and there, I, I, I fully believe that the best two offensive outputs that we've had this year – Except for Western Carolina, we're against Texas and TCU, and it's not a coincidence that those are the two teams that played us the most aggressively. And I, you know, Tech, I I fully believe is going to sit in their zone stuff, let their phys- their corners be physical, not have to turn and run with guys down the field. And so far, has been it's been tough for our offense to to make hay in that type of that type of environment.
1: Yeah. Okay. Perfect transition to the scouting report for Tech. Let's start defensively. Three-three-five structure, right? They are they're going to have three safeties on the field. Uh, they are going to be in a three-man front the vast majority of the time, but they have shown a little four-man front. When I watched it, this is this is the best I could come up with when it comes to a comp for them, Ted. Their defense is like Iowa State's defense on drugs. I mean, it is just, it's all over the place, man. And you you look at what they're doing in the back end. They have variations of every coverage and they play them all in a game. I'm talking cover three, cover one, cover two, cover four, cover five. Like they throw, it's like Keith Patterson's on the sideline, just like spinning a wheel and whatever it lands on, he's like, all right, that's what coverage we're playing. It's, it's interesting to watch. And I, I think when a team does that, a lot of people may think, okay, maybe you reduce your formations because, you know, they have coverage tendencies when it comes to formations. I think you, you kind of just dwindle your concepts down in your passing game because you need concepts. Now, normally you have concepts that you're like, okay, these are their tendencies in this formation. We're most likely going to get this coverage. This play is good against that coverage. With the way tech does it, with how random it is in the back end. It's almost like, hey, you need to have concepts that kind of work against everything because you really don't know what you're going to get. And that way you rep it all week long and and the guys know it really well and you kind of make things easier for the quarterback. But looking at their defensive line, they're not getting enough production from their D-line. Although I think Jalen Hutchings there at nose guard, I think that's going to be a tough matchup for Andrew Ray. He's an experienced guy, you know, kind of a shorter dude, strong. He's been playing some good ball for them, but at linebacker, they got good size, not great in coverage. I think Schooler's been their most consistent guy there, but physical in the back end. And like, like you mentioned, I, I expect to see a ton of zone coverage from them. They're going to make, they're going to dare Oklahoma to run the ball. And OU better – Ted, you know how you were after the Kansas game with the defense? If OU doesn't run the ball really, really well in this game, you're going to see me in a similar mood because this is a defense that gave up 336 on the ground to Texas, 394 to TCU. With what they're going to do from a coverage standpoint, run the ball. Make yeah. it easy on Caleb Williams, hand it to Kennedy Brooks, hand it to Eric Gray, and run it down their face. That's what they're giving you, and they've shown that if you'll do that, they will give up massive amounts of yardage in the run game. You just have to be patient enough. You just have to say, hey, guys, that's what we're going to do. We're going to run it straight down their face. Yeah, That's what they got to do.
0: Well, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, they're, they're okay at backer. Not great. Um, they're okay at safety. Not great. And even on the defensive line, okay. Not great. If you go back to the Kansas game, and Lincoln talked about this last night with Toby and I. I asked him about the running game. And he's like, well, because I think Kennedy Brooks had, 20, what do you have, 24 for 60-some yards or something like that? Maybe 70 yards. Which, you know, he'd been he'd been ripping it and have back up to having that great average. And Lincoln was like, Well, you know, we had we had a quite a few things that were there, but Kansas made a ton of like one-on-one, kind of like shoestring, trip trip you up tackles. And it's funny, as he was saying that, they were playing the the reel of the running plays, and it was a ton of those plays where one safety coming down would make just that, that one arm tackle on kennedy brooks which typically you don't make on him so like that's gonna be what texas tech has to do if if they're gonna if they have any prayer of trying to stop the run against oklahoma it's gonna be making those one-on-one tackles against kennedy brooks which if you can do it great more power to you but if not it's gonna be a long day
1: yeah no i'm with you okay offensively for tech Uh, They major in eleven personnel, so one one back, one tight end. They will get into some twelve personnel stuff. They have that, and I wouldn't be shocked. Right, we've seen the formula that has worked against OU. You know, keep it on the ground, use a ton of the play clock. I know that that will feel almost in. It will feel it will be disorienting to see Texas Tech play that style. Like it 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 just won't compute in our brains, but that it's been proven that's the way to play against this OU squad. So tech they use a ton of motion. I mean, a ton and all kinds of elaborate versions of motion. So communication will be key. Henry Columbi is an absolute wild card at quarterback, man. He is he I, I don't think he's a great player, but I'll tell you this, he's fun to watch. I mean, you really don't know what you're going to get. He's a mobile guy. However, the other guy at quarterback is the one that worries me. We saw Jason Bean have success running the ball, right? Keeping in some of those read concepts. You know, guys having trouble fitting those concepts. Number seven, Donovan Smith comes on the field and looks like Cam Newton out there. He's huge. <laughs> so remember the success West Virginia had with Garrett Green bringing that small little dude on there? Yep. Donovan Smith is all of 6'4 and all of 235 and can run. I'm a little concerned about what they can do with him in the game 10. I'm not gonna lie. Little concerned.
0: Well, especially if and it I'm glad that it doesn't happen, but it's also frustrating to watch coaches like not learn from previous games. Like if Sonny Cumbie has learned from watching previous games against Oklahoma's defense. Like three or four yards is okay. I just just to grind it out, run the football, move the chains, go for it on fourth and one or two. I that's that's the formula. We've we've had, I think, 23 fourth downs attempted against us, and the next closest in the Big 12 is like seven or eight. So Like people go for it on fourth down a ton, so if you just run the football and do it in small chunks, you have a a a great chance of success. And yeah, he's he's going to be it's going to be worrisome. I imagine he plays quite a bit. And you know, whenever you look at at some of the things that they do, it's a lot of what we've had success or we've had have not had success with. Rather, um, the the quick. I mean, they gave it to, as a comma on a quick, I think like the second or third play of the game against uh, Kansas State, and he took it to the house. Uh, Kansas killed us with the quick. Um, you know, they'll, they'll do some stuff getting guys to the outside, one back power on the inside, pulling guys, some gap scheme stuff. I mean, they've they got a pretty good running game, and they've gotten healthy at running back, which is, you know, it, it's it's worrisome.
1: They run about as many RPOs as you can run. And it, it's interesting to watch on Tate because their offensive line, they're adequate. I mean, they're, they're plenty good. And now they've gotten a couple guys back. They're a little healthier. It, it's weird watching them because they do not get a ton of movement at the line of scrimmage. They just kind of cover guys up. And when they cover them up, they just grab and hold them. <laughs> and they don't let go. And I I think it has a lot to do with how many RPOs they run because they don't want those guys getting down the field. Like, there are so many RPOs called in this offense. So it's really interesting to watch. And it's weird because the offensive line, when I watch them, I'm like, man, this isn't a dominant group. But then I look at it, I'm like, well, they're doing a really good job of getting in people's way, though. So they got a better O-line than Kansas. I mean, there's no doubt. So did you see how is, they run
0: the the power where they uh the puller doubles on the like the uh the six it's almost like or- a
1: power and he's he's shuffle pulling and it's like if he sees some daylight, he can hit it in between the front side double team, or he can kind of swab the C gap for the tight end if if some color is shown, or he can go all the way around. So it's it's going to be hard to fit because well gaps defensively typically, yeah it's you know what's going play. to
0: hit it's a different play so like when he pulls around if he pulls around and comes in and blocks a backer that's fine we all gap uh, accordingly but whenever he whenever the tight end's got a 6 technique and they're head to head and he comes around and he doubles that it changes the gaps completely cuz a lot of times he bumps that guy out and now there's a gap in between the tight end and the guard will, where typically your six technique is in there. So it's, it's a diff when, when two people, it looks like to the untrained eye, it looks like the identical play, but it's just, it's a little bit different and they can gap you. And when they gap you, it's, I, it may not look like much, but if it's four five, six yards, that's, that's the point.
1: And I hate to, I hate to tell you this, Ted, but watched, watched several games from Texas tech's offense and, they do have splits out in the playbook.
0: They got oh, yeah. it. Shocking. And, you know, here's what's really uh, interesting. If you watch the other 129 uh, offenses in Division One football, I think they'll have it too. Uh, yeah, they do. And they've got a couple of tight ends, and they'll shift, pre-snap, motion. And we're going to see all of the same stuff that we saw against Kansas. If If you can't stop it, you can guarantee you're going to see it again. So – yeah,
1: defensive line going to have to get off blocks, right? They're not going to be with the way that the, they come off the football on the offensive line with how measured they are. There's not going to be a bunch of swimming guys and, you know, really like they're, they're going to get guys in their chest and they're going to have to physically remove those human beings and make plays. Yeah. So they better, well, we, bring, they better, they better play with some knockback, man. I'm telling you.
0: Yeah, they need to and you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see how much we move and stunt guys. I imagine we'll, we'll still be doing that. But because of all that movement, I, I think our defensive line plays way too high. Agreed. And for they're already smaller guys, which you can be a smaller defensive lineman and, and be great, but your technique has to be on point. And, you know, we, we're, we're just way too high for our size. We're, we're tall, like, when Isaiah Thomas is playing inside, and I'm hoping that's when Redmond gets back, he doesn't have to do that nearly as much. But at six five, like two seventy, that's not what you want to be on the inside. If you're going to be two seventy, you need to be like five ten.
1: I'm just telling you, and I've talked about this a lot. As an in- interior offensive lineman, and Dawson Deaton, their center, like he's a he's a solid veteran player. Like you look up and you see a tall, two hundred seventy pound guy in the interior. You're looking to the heavens saying, thank you. I mean, <laughs> thank you. As opposed to a short, little squatty, like 315 guy. Like, oh, not going anywhere. You can't move him all, all day. Give me, give me the 6'5, uh, 270 guy there in the interior and we'll figure it out. So, yeah, I, w- we've talked a lot about the, the movement of the defensive line and how, you know, we think they do too much of it. I, I, I saw a little hope in the second half of that Kansas game, a few more snaps for the defensive lines, just playing straight, you know, just playing their gap. It brings, it brings more physicality to the position, right? When you're doing all that movement, all that slant, all, and especially all that thinking of where you got to go with, with everything that the offense is doing. And it, it, I, I think it takes physicality away from them as a group doing all that stuff.
0: And I think it takes physicality, Away from the backers as well, because you're you have to slow down and wait to see if they get there. And if they don't, you've got to fit off of that and replace that. Uh, But all of that said, I also believe that there is a really good time and place for it as well. Yeah. No, I'm with you. You know, playing straight. Whenever people are expecting you to to stunt and twist. Like that, I imagine I'll ask you that. I imagine that catches guys by surprise, right? If you see a ton of stunting, then all of a sudden they start playing it straight, and you're maybe anticipating guys folding and moving around. It's that's got to be difficult.
1: I'll I'll tell you this: Texas Tech has is going to practice against all of those movements and loops and all that stuff that OU's done all season long. If OU came out and played straight up along the defensive line for you know, 60, 70% of snaps, those guys would be like, coach, what the hell? I mean, what the <laughs> hell? we practice against all the movement stuff all week, and now they're just, they're just coming right at us. What are we doing? No, so yeah. it would, you're, you're right. It would be, I think it would catch them off guard. All right, let's get to call your shot and got a couple of good responses. Got to, got to start with this one. This comes from our man, Eric Bates on Twitter. Uh, we asked you guys for your boldest prediction for OU Texas Tech. Eric said, Teddy slips up and gives his opinion of Sonny Cumbie on a live mic. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Sonny Cumbie, interim head coach. We have, I believe we said at one point that the way that he utilized or didn't utilize his underutilization of Jalen Rager when he was the offense coordinator at TCU, I believe we said it should have been uh, punishable by the law. (laughs) <laughs> that he should be in prison for, uh, for how he used one of the most dynamic players in college football that season. We have, we have been rather critical of Sonny Cumbie. There's no doubt.
0: I, I have um, I've made it very well known uh, a lot of times on the radio show of what I think of Sonny Cumbie's play calling. I, and and it goes back to whenever I said it's, it's frustrating sometimes. I'm happy that it happens. But it's just, it's shocking, like shocking whenever you see Oklahoma and there's a very defined one or two things that we have really, really struggled with. And then an offense comes in and doesn't do any of it. Not once. Doesn't even test it. Doesn't even make you prove that you've you fixed that that area of, of uh, that problem area. And Sonny Cumbie has done that a lot. And, you know. If it, if it didn't mirror a lot of things that they already do in their offense, I would say don't worry about what you messed up against Kansas. You're not going to see it against Sonny Cumbie.
1: You love Sonny Cumbie. I mean, <laughs> it, is, it is well-documented. All right, this other one comes from Alex McMillan on Twitter who says Tech throws the ball 50-plus times, OUD racks up five sacks, and Caleb Williams puts up six total touchdowns. I I know that people think now that Cumbie is the interim head coach that they're just going to throw it all around the yard. I think they're going to come and try and do what West Virginia did and what Nebraska did and what we just saw Kansas do. Now, would it shock me if Sonny Cumbie did something that hasn't been proved to be that effective against Oklahoma and went away from the game plan that clearly works against this team? Now, I wouldn't be shocked. But it would, it would surprise me a little. Like I think, I think Tech's going to feel pretty good about trying to slow
0: this game down. I really do. I yeah. The, I again, I would be shocked, frankly, if that's not what they did. And the other uh, way they decided to go was, hey. Let's drop back pass and let their smaller D line that's good at rushing the passer. Let's let them do that instead of fight and sift through blocks and and you know hammer them with a run nonstop. Yeah, that I, I hope they come out and throw it. Just like the 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 call your shot said right there. If they come out and throw the football a ton against us, I, I think that's gonna be gonna be a problem area for them. We've had problems with the pass whenever it's built in to teams that are running the football really well. That's whenever those problems have come.
1: Yeah, I think just dropping back and throwing it all day, I think that, that bails the OU defense out.
0: Yeah, I you probably look back at the game against Kansas and feel like, well, they just threw it all over the place against us, but I think they only threw it like 20 times or something like that, 20, 23 times. Yeah, so
1: I, I think we'll see. Something similar from the Red Raiders. All right, let's get to our interview with Chris Level. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And Love's has given us a $25 game day gift card to give away each week. This is all you have to do to be entered to win this week's gift card. Tweet a picture of you stopping at Love's on your way to the OU Texas Tech game this weekend. And make sure you tag the podcast Twitter account. And Love's Twitter account we will contact you if you are the winner. Pretty simple. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered. If you forget your phone charger or headphones, they've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier in go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, here he is, Mr. Texas Tech, Chris Lovell. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man that he, he's just the Texas Tech guy, people. I mean, he's the publisher of Red Raider Sports. He is the host of Tech Talk there in Lubbock. He's also the sideline reporter for Texas Tech football. he He's the color analyst for Texas Tech basketball. He is Mr. Texas Tech. He is Chris Level. What's going on, man?
2: I am, I am the Texas tech, what you guys are to the Sooners, I guess. How about that? You know, we we try to be anyways. Uh, and I, and I'll, and I'll miss you guys in a few years, whenever that is, by the way, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get into that too, but we'll, we'll, de- we'll definitely miss crossing paths for sure.
1: That's, that's probably a discussion for another podcast. Chris, because <laughs> gotcha. we, we got a, we got a lot going on, on yes. you know, on both sides heading this football game. Let's, let's start here. Uh, you know, I had, gotten to know matt wells pretty well it just i mean it's a bummer man it it, it's a bummer that he 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 was fired there what what went wrong why why do you think uh the administration at tech decided to pull the plug now
2: yeah this is uh this is the part of the I, i walked into the office yesterday and and you you i'm over there a lot because of uh broadcasting part of things and every, and, and, it, you know, just didn't know if I was going to understand the mood uh, when I went in there. And it's like, some are frustrated, some are confused. Some are very upset and, and, and emotional and, and all that stuff. And I, I said to somebody, I, this business or this sport would be so much fun if they didn't keep score you just got to do all the traveling and you got to compete, but it's like there was no results and everybody just got to kind of live in this bubble, but that's not how it works. They keep, they keep score. And, and ultimately, you know, they just couldn't ever get over the hump and, and the fan that there, there were, there uh, were, there wasn't much support for Matt, I think is, as, as time went along and you know, if you beat TCU three or four weeks ago, or if you beat Kansas State, you know, we're probably having a different conversation. But they just couldn't – they kept getting these road wins, and then they'd come home and and couldn't get over the hump. I go back to the Texas game last year when you had Texas dead to rights. Uh, up by 15 points with three minutes to go in the game, and then lost that game in overtime. And, uh, you know, it was just so that, – that was kind of a microcosm of his tenure here, unfortunately. And I don't know if ultimately he was ever – accepted here because he was somebody that was an unknown to this program and West Texas in general, he's from Oklahoma. And Hey, look, guy's a he's an awesome person um he was great to me I love being around him He he's good people he he his players never got in trouble he he changed the culture and it, they just didn't win enough uh bottom line and that's uh and I, I get to the timing part of it too I just don't want to keep rambling but it, it just yeah it's it sucks
0: well the timing is interesting and to the Outside observer, it kind of looks like this. They had their mind up what they were going to do. Oklahoma almost loses to Kansas. And you say, oh, dang, Oklahoma maybe not very good. There's a chance we could go into Norman and beat them. And if Wells goes into Norman and beats OU, you can't fire him. Right,
2: and you you wouldn't have been able to. You're, you're exactly right.
0: So that's what it looks like. It yeah. looks like we've already we made our decision. up. maybe uh, who knows when. You know we got a winning record right now, but <laughs> we we cannot let him go in and beat Oklahoma.
2: I mean, you, you you're probably dead on. Uh, I, I I think their thought was to your point. Yes, I think that at some point they'd gotten to where this is going to be an eventuality. And I, I think what I've gathered and what, what what Kirby said the other day at the press conference is that they feel like there's going to be a lot of movement within the industry, coaching carousel-wise. I mean, you know, we all obviously understand what LSU and, and USC, but I mean, a lot of rumors in Fort Worth about Gary Patterson. The North Texas job is going to open up more than likely with a guy that I, I think we all know in Seth Luttrell. Um, th- th- there, there could be a variety of movement that creates a domino effect. I just think that Texas Tech, Texas Tech was trying to say. If we if we know what we're going to do, we want to be on the front end of this carousel, not the back end. We don't want to be the last horse drinking from the trough if there's no water left, uh, because you don't have the most money, you don't have the you know the most resources and all those things. So that that's what I've been able to gather. Right, wrong, or indifferent, and and a lot of people have agreed with it. A lot of people have absolutely disagreed with it. But the you're right. You go into Oklahoma and and pull it off, and and now you've all all you've done is 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 put uh, as Sunny Cumming put it yesterday, my. Is full this week. Now he's he's drinking from a fire hose, trying to figure out. Okay, I'm not the OC anymore. I'm the head coach. That is a uh, you know a million different things going, and so it's a short week for for the staff that remains here. But I think you're right, Teddy.
0: Well, let me ask if if Oklahoma goes in and does what most people thought they were going to do to Kansas and beats them by you know 40 points or something like that. I do you honest? Do you think that that has like the way Oklahoma played against Kansas had an impact on it?
2: No, I think it was more about how Texas Tech probably lost the game against Kansas State, yeah. you know, and and, and, and not, not that you lost or how you lost. I think that was just like one of the, the variety of things that, that played out to it. Uh, I'd be willing to bet, though, that there was a conversation had about – hey, if we're, if we're going to do this, what happens if they go into Oklahoma and win? You know, then it it, it it prolongs it. And then what if they don't win any more games? We've just kind of – we've lost all these what they felt like are valuable weeks uh, trying to figure out what, what direction they're going to go. I think it's all very valid. But I think it was more about being shut out in the second half, being up 24 to 10 at, at, uh, at halftime and just not being able to close it. Against the Kansas State team, that's not great. I mean, they're they're okay. They're going to compete, but they had twelve penalties. I've never seen a Kansas State team as as dysfunctional and disorganized as that one, and you still couldn't beat them. And
1: it's interesting; they decided to name the guy whose offense couldn't score any points in the second half as the interim head coach. I've, I, I find that I find that interesting, Chris. But last one on the coaching side of things, and we'll get to the team. It seems like Kirby Hoke laid it out pretty obviously in his press conference that they want someone with a ton of Texas ties and it, it appears there are two names that are at the top of the list for the Red Raiders and that's Sonny Dykes there at SMU and then Jeff Trailer, who's doing a great job at UTSA is as far as the fan base goes with some of the things you've heard I assume those are two guys that Tech fans would be more than happy to have.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, I think you'll get a lot of support for either guy if that's what. I'm, and, and I would just say this: Here, here's here's a fact that we can we can absolutely state: Sonny Dykes and Jeff Trailer are going to make a lot more money to coach football next year than they are making right now, whether it's where they're currently coaching or at a new that. The, the, these are facts. And, and I think that they'll get the opportunity to visit with Texas Tech about this opening if they if they want to pursue it. And I, I think that you could even see as early as this week permission being requested to speak to those guys. Now, when those talks happen, I don't know, but I think Kirby Hoka, that's that's the point of the, the timing and trying to get out in front of some of this stuff is I think you're, you're going to start to start spinning the wheels here trying to figure this thing out. But uh, yeah, both guys, I mean, obviously, Sonny, he coached here. He went to school here played baseball here and he was here under mike and then obviously jeff trailer most of his ties though were east texas obviously he's been in waco but in austin and, and all that uh now in san antonio but uh um, you know I, I think he he would be high on the list as well for sure
0: um Sonny Comby, how realistically what type of chance and art briles i know that name's been been thrown out there um <laughs> like is there any chance at all there
2: uh, I'll, I'll go, uh, I'll, I'll, we'll do the browse part first. There are, so Art, you know, he he coached here in in Mike's first year whenever Leach was here. Art went to school here. There are a lot of people that grew up with Art that are still here. The, the head track coach, Wes Kitley, who's won a national championship a couple years ago, he is one of Art's best friends. There, there's just a lot of connections here. So it always gets brought up. There were multiple times where they were, This school and Art were engaged when he was either at Houston or at Baylor about him possibly being the head coach and all that stuff. It never never worked. So now we fast forward, uh, and I I think I I would say it this way. There there are some people that would say, you know what, I just want to win, okay? I I don't think he did anything wrong. I want to win. There's other people that say – I'll never support this university another day in my life. If you put him at the helm of the head. So, and I say that to, to suggest Kirby Hoka stood at the mic the other day at the press conference. And he said, we want somebody that will unify the fan base. How can that be art browse? It just can't. Um, I think art would work for far less than, than what other people would command. I think that, um, he's a really good football coach, but there's a lot of baggage you're going to have to work through from a PR standpoint. And I just don't know if you're willing to even go that route or thinking that that would unify the fan base. Cause it would, not it would be very split. So I, I don't, and, and I think the same can be said about Kendall browse because of his last name. It's interesting. Cause Kendall browse and Jeff Lebby, we're on that staff in, in, in Waco too. And they're, they're at Arkansas and Ole Miss kind of rolling along and, and they're not, they're not ostracized like Art is, but the whole thing is, uh, I think a hand grenade that I just don't think you want to, you want to mess around with. Yeah. And then with seems... Cumby, Yeah. And with Cumby, real quick, I don't think he's a candidate, like say right now, if they rattle off two or three or whatever, I, I wouldn't rule it out. And, and Sonny, you know, Gabe, you mentioned that they didn't score a point in the second half. It was a bad, it was a bad second half. I think that it's frustrating. Part of Matt's tenure is identified here by never having a healthy starting quarterback. And I think Sonny's backup quarterback and Henry Columbi, he really kind of came back down to earth and just played terrible in the second half. And Sonny took a lot of the brunt of that too. I didn't call enough good plays. We didn't put him in a good enough position, but he just he didn't play well. But if they were, Sonny's got a great personality, he's very well-respected, and he's all about this place, played here. I mean, think about Sonny Cumbie. He came here as a walk-on. He was on scholarship. He was a starting quarterback. He's been a position coach. He's now been a coordinator. Now he's the head coach. And oh, by the way, he's done some of the stuff that you guys have done. He was on the radio broadcast team uh, for about whenever the Harold and Crabtree year. So he's he's checked about every box. It t- he's, a, he's a skeleton key, I guess, for Texas Tech football, if you will that's
1: that is pretty funny okay let's let, let's talk about the team a little bit you mentioned Tyler Shutt going down with the collarbone and now it's Henry Columbia and o, OU fans saw him last year against Texas Tech and he played a pretty good game against the centers kind of a wild card quarterback brings mobility not afraid to take some chances maybe is the best way to put it what what have you seen from him since he's taken over at QB, Chris?
2: Yeah, so here's the here's the fascinating thing about what they're doing cuz we'll get to Donovan Smith here in a second cuz you're going to see him at quarterback as well. Um
1: he's hard to miss, Chris. He's <laughs>
2: yeah, massive. He's, yeah, he's a big kid. <laughs> But Henry, when he when he first came in, I think he was really cutting it loose and throwing the ball down the field, and and playing free, and and all. And I think as time has gone along, he's gotten a little bit more conservative. Uh, I don't know why that is, and some of this is that, you know, the, those those three safety looks that every defense in the Big 12 has given you and keeping everything in front. Uh, but that, that's what we – you know, unfortunately, you saw him cut it loose versus uh, Texas. You saw him cut it loose at West Virginia. Uh, but, you know, like at Kansas State, it was very – timid and conservative and it, 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 it he wasn't sure of himself and it cost them, but he's a Florida kid. He's got a lot of confidence. He's very mature. He's old. He's got the respect of his teammates. And so, and I wonder if like with this news, if you, if, if, if he and kind of the team just say, you know what? Pressure's off. We have nothing to lose here. Cut it loose, have fun. So what if we turn it over? So what if we get if we get beat bad of trying this or that? I don't know, but but and and I, and I haven't seen this much. But Donovan is going to play, too, and he does it in the middle of series. There's a package of plays. They've expanded it as, as time has gone along. He comes in in the middle of series. He doesn't start a series. He doesn't start a quarter, per se. It's just intermittent. It's red zone. It's short yardage, and now it's starting to be more open field. But, yeah, he's about 6'4", about 235 and they're starting to let him throw it a little bit, and he's uh he, he's just uh, he's a pup, but his his dad is the running backs coach DeAndre Smith, so it's been fun watching his dad on the sideline, kind of watching his kid out there running over people. So it's uh yeah, it, it's it's a weird deal at quarterback right now, but they miss Shuck for sure.
0: Asakama is a really good player. I think is is he the leader now in receptions in the Big Twelve? Uh, he's right up there, close. If he's not, yeah, he's uh, close. And- and they'll get him the ball a bunch of different ways. They'll, they'll give it to him on the quick, uh, you know, whenever he comes in motion and he's a big kid, he's tough to tackle. And um, how do you see his role against Oklahoma expanding or, you know, what do you think? Because they got to get the ball to their playmakers, obviously. So how are they going to try and get him involved, do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I, they did not do a good job of that. Sonny took the brunt of that blame uh, the other Is Only he only had two catches. He did have a carry uh, on a jet sweep where he went, I think, forty yards for a touchdown early on in the game. But you're right; he is a he's one of those guys. You look at him; he kind of reminds me of, I guess, in some ways, of Eric Ward or Crabtree type guys that play a lot bigger than they actually are. And he is; he's very difficult to tackle. He's just real strong, and you know, he just kind of keeps going. And and it's you think you're going to bring him down, and he just keeps going. But, yeah, he's a deep threat, uh, you know, quick game, but they'll, they'll hand it to him. Kalen Geiger is another kid that uh, – he, he's more of a a slot that's playing outside, uh, and he he gets a lot of receptions and a lot of uh, targets as well. And he's a transfer from Troy, who's originally from Fort Worth. But those would be the two guys on the outside. But, yeah, Eric is – I, I don't I, – at the beginning of the year, he was really lighting it up, and I thought, yeah, maybe he has a decision to make after the season. It's kind of somewhat cooled off. I don't know if we're, we're headed that direction yet, but he, he's a he's a guy that's got a chance to really play at the next level, no doubt.
1: It's Roger Thompson seems like he's back to 100% after kind of the weird injury situation to start the year for him, Chris. Looking explosive, still a dangerous guy back there.
2: Yeah, so their, their running back situation has been weird in that Sir Rodrick got hurt very early on in spring, and so he missed most of the summer, and it allowed everybody else to kind of keep practicing, keep repping, doing all these things, getting stronger. And so the season starts, and Taj Brooks just emerged, and he was really their their guy. He, he won the Houston game for him with two really long runs that scored uh, touchdowns, and then he – we had not seen him. He played the three non-conference games and looked really, really good in those games. And then he got hurt the week before the Texas game. So last week was the first action he has seen in conference play. Well, Sir Roderick is late to the party and is kind of, misses the non-conference games and I think the UT game was the first game that he was back so they've kind of passed each other in the hallway but this is the first game I think that you'll see those guys back and at 100% if that makes sense it's a nice one-two punch neither one has breakaway speed per se but both are really patient really strong can catch it are good in the red zone and I think that the last check, I think he went into the Kansas State game with 17 rushing touchdowns and just four receiving ones. So th- th- that's what they're looking to get those guys the ball in- in on that end of the field for sure.
0: The uh, running game's been, you know, at times given Oklahoma fits. So, like, and this is my last offensive question, but Wells was more of a, a balanced offense type of guy, wanted to, to run the football. Cumbie, you know, obviously he'll he'll run the football too, but more of that that passing background. Do you think that Wells influence over the offense is maybe gonna lessen now or is are they gonna stick to what they've done?
2: I, I think Matt was really good about telling Sonny, you you do your thing. It's your baby. You, you know, I, I'm here to help. If we want to go for it on fourth down, if we want to, we're going to punt. I mean, those kinds of decisions, but he really let Sonny handle it. And, and I think that People started to grasp this in the spring, but I mean TCU led the Big 12 in rushing yards per game last year, 220 yards a game. I think it was 219. So th- this has been what what Sonny really wants to do. He's very tight end oriented. There's a lot of motion, but they really want to run the ball. And I think that if anything around here, crazy, but some people are like, man, we wish you'd throw it more. So um, I feel like I don't know what world I'm living in because in, in <laughs> here in Lubbock, that's it's it's that was the norm for so many years. Like throwing it 40 times was just like that's what we did. But now it's but the running game's working, and it and here's the problem: it did not work last week. They uh, you, you get two rushing touchdowns early in the game, but then Kansas State really f- limited you in the open field, and that's ultimately what cost you that game. Is just. Couldn't get the running game going, whether it was scheme, inability to break tackles, whatever. But I know they'll be looking to try to get that established.
0: Well, I didn't. I didn't watch the game, but I went back and looked kind of through the play-by-play to see how it ended. And unless it wasn't documented right, their last chance to go down and win the game, they didn't even throw a pass. Right?
2: Got sacked. Yeah, he didn't. He did not. And that was one of the last things Matt Wells said to me. You know, and I and I'll remember that. Uh, I went into the conference room in the in the football building after it was over. I had to interview him for the broadcast, and after we we finished the interview, he just said, "How did we not get the ball off on the last play to give ourselves a chance?" And I just was sick. And then knowing knowing what we know now, I just it just yeah it just it's just tough. But yeah, they, they got sacked on back to back plays. Henry Columbia just I think just trying to not make a mistake but didn't even give yourself a a chance to win on the last play. No, it was a fourth and 16, I think. So, unlikely, but still, throw it up. See if you get a P.I. something.
1: All right, Chris. Well, what's going on with this defense? They are are perplexing. You see some games, right? The West Virginia game. They go on the road. They hold West Virginia under 100 yards rushing. Solid performance. You saw what they did against Kansas State. Uh, I know they lost the game, but. I thought they did some really good things at at the line of scrimmage along that defensive line. And then you've got the Texas game where they just get absolutely gashed, give up 336 yards on the ground. And then you've got the TCU game where it was even worse, almost give up 400 yards rushing. Just what, what is, what is this defense, man?
2: I, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating, Uh, you know, and, They've had a few injuries at safety and and they switched to this three safety look and they've had a bunch of injuries at their middle safety. That certainly has compounded the problem, but they haven't just they just haven't been consistent. And I think that that's been uh, frustrating because, I mean, they they played well in Lawrence, which I wouldn't have even thought that was a big deal. And then I, you know, y'all's game last week. It's like, I mean, Jason Bean was terrible. Versus Texas Tech. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, they have a pulse against Oklahoma. So I can't figure this league out for one. And that's, that's a part of it because it's just, some of it makes no sense on a week to week basis, but they're running primarily a three down front. Uh, they're, they're multiple. You'll see Keith try to, you know, line up two defensive linemen and sometimes five defensive linemen. And it's just a variety of things. They're trying to, they're, their best, uh, players are their two linebackers and Rico Jeffers and Colin schooler, I, I think. Uh, and so those guys show up every, but I think you're just the injuries at safety is, is certainly caused problems because they, they, they had what they felt like was a really good safety in Marquise waters muddy waters is what his name came from Duke senior all that he gets hurt early on in the Texas game and it really hasn't been the same since and he was the the leader the alpha on the back end lining everybody up and so that that's where the inconsistency started and he's out for the year so I I would say not to blame it on injuries that's part of it but I think they only had so much personnel and he was a key key cog but um, and they'll be missing some guys this weekend defensively so it, it it will not be an easy task uh
0: what's what's the the corner situation look like um obviously oklahoma uh, you know people have played us really soft and forced us to stay underneath but whenever we get a chance we do like to take some shots in one-on-ones uh, what's that corner matchup going to be like
2: yeah, they have DeMarcus Fields, they have Rashad Williams, they have a kid named Malik Dunlap. Uh, the, the Two of those guys are transfers, one from NC State, one from UCLA, and then obviously DeMarcus Fields has been in this league for for, for several years. They're just solid players. Uh, I think DeMarcus Fields is even somebody that would have a chance maybe to catch on with an NFL camp at some point. He's he's a good player. But, yeah, I mean, th- th- this is the name of the game is everybody keeps everything in front, and when you see man-to-man on the outside, you take your shot if you, if you get it. And you try to, you know, let your guy go get it or get a penalty or whatever. But it's like the league has just changed in front of our eyes. It's wild. And all these limited possession games. Uh, it, it, By the way, I will just tell you this. I've known Lincoln for a long time, too. I watched this press conference yesterday. It is fascinating to me. And, and this is the world y'all live in. It is absolutely fascinating to me. That he's answering questions about what's wrong and how bad this this Oklahoma football team is. I'm like, man, we are in different.
0: The fans different, want people's heads right I, now, man. <laughs> I mean,
2: it's. I'm like, did I miss something? I mean, and I, and I get it. It's all a beauty contest. Oklahoma's not only supposed to win; they're supposed to win by a lot. But he's just smiling. He's like. Yeah. I don't think we really have a disconnect, but, uh, you know, we're eight and last I checked. And I'm just thinking, I mean, what is going on? Trust me, I just...
1: <laughs> Chris, I'll say this. We haven't thrown fuel on the fire, but I don't think Teddy's um, <laughs> breakdown of the way that the defense played against Kansas helped anything. That's what I'll say.
0: Hey, I got you. I understand. I understand. Hey, it's, it's funny. Toby and I were laughing last night, uh, like on the breaks of of a of the Lincoln Riley TV show we were making a list of uh, OU's worst wins like most disappointing wins and <laughs> it's funny that you've You've got a, a list of wins where you look back and it's like, oh my God, that game was just miserable, but you won it, right?
2: <laughs> I mean, trust me, a lot of people would be loved to live in that world. That, that is, it just cracked me up. And I just, I just thought that was funny. I was like, because again, at the time I'm watching this, I'm living a completely different situation here. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, you, you, you take them however you can get them. But anyway, I just thought that was, uh, that was cracked me up.
1: All right, man. Kind of just a weird situation for this Texas tech football team coming into this game. Uh, what are you kind of expecting from them um, in Norman?
2: Yeah, I, it's uh this is a tough one. It's an emotional one. It's uh, I, I I will say this. I'll be surprised if they don't play really hard for Sonny. this is an impossible situation in some ways. Hey, you got a short, cause the, keep in mind, they had a practice and a team meeting on Sunday. Matt Wells was still the head coach. He didn't find out until mid-morning on Monday, and typically Monday is their huge game planning day. Well, okay, you, you meet with Matt, then Sonny is told, then the the staff is told, then the team is told. All this stuff takes time, and then you have to process it. And, oh, by the way, there's a game Saturday at 2.30 on national television against the top-five team at their place. I think, though, they they stayed up there late Monday night, were able to process it, and, and I think that they – you know, largely have a game plan in place, but that's a great question on what you'll see. I I don't really know. It, it, it makes it kind of curious to me. And that's why this is why sports are so much fun because there are these situations where you're just not sure how kids and, and people will react to adversity like this and they could do everything from turn it into like a game, like the West Virginia game. And be in it until the end or it could be a situation where like this just overwhelms them and they just don't handle it well either. I don't know.
1: I I'm going to assume they're going to give OU their best shot. That's just I, I think that's that is the theme we have seen this season. So excited to see you Norman man. Uh, appreciate the time. You're Mr. Texas Tech Chris. You're the best.
2: Hey, thanks fellas. Both of you seriously appreciate it, man. You guys do good work. I listen to you both all the time. So, thank you very much.
1: Thanks, man. Well, I don't really know what to expect from Tech, right? And it doesn't sound like Chris knows either. But just a weird situation, man. Just got your coach fired. I, I don't know. I really don't know what version of Tech we're going to see. But I think you got to assume you're going to see the best version of them, right? I feel like that's, that's what the Sooners yeah. always get.
0: We've talked about what happens to a team whenever – a coach or a coordinator or someone gets fired or let go or has their, their duties stripped during a season, um, you, you feel responsible for that. And the only thing you can really do is go out and play better than you've played all year uh, in response. And I think that's going to happen. Uh, I think they'll be, they'll be focused, um, they'll be intense, and they're going to see a great opportunity. And so is Sonny Cumbie. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what the, what the plan is there for, for making a hire, and maybe he doesn't have a shot, and they've already figured out who they want, but he may not know that, and he sees this as his opportunity. You beat Oklahoma, you got a shot at getting the Texas Tech head coaching job, which I'm sure he really wants.
1: Yeah, so should be an interesting one. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup, but first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Best in class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client and you should be too. If your business wants to be the best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I N S U R I C A dot com.
0: Guys, fall is here, but the weather doesn't matter. It's always hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores.
1: All right, Week 9, got some good games in college football. Let's start with number 6, Michigan. Heading to East Lansing to take on the undefeated number eight, Michigan State Spartans. Both teams going to want to run the run. Michigan with Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins. Michigan State going to feed Kenneth Walker III, who is an absolute stud. I I don't think Michigan State is going to have a ton of success on the ground, though. That Michigan defense, man, uh, I've watched quite a bit of them. They're solid. I mean, you look at, they're actually second in the country. Everyone's talking about Georgia's defense. Michigan is actually second in the country in scoring defense behind Georgia. Now there's a huge gap there, but it's like eight points difference, but they are, they're a good group, man. And Aiden Hutchinson is an absolute problem at defensive end. I, I just don't see Peyton Thorne making a ton of plays in the passing game for Michigan state. I, I, Looking at the Michigan side of things offensively, I have not been overly impressed with Cade McNamara at quarterback for the Wolverines, but Michigan State does have the worst pass defense in the entire Big Ten. So I feel like guys like Cornelius Johnson and Dalen Baldwin should be able to make a couple plays in this one for Michigan. Listen, Mel Tucker is doing a great job there. He's really utilized the transfer portal. I think people are going to try to copy what he has done. It's a great season so far for the Spartans. But when you look at it, they're undefeated. They haven't beat a single team with a winning record. I just don't think they've played anyone as close to as good as Michigan. I like Michigan pretty comfortably in this one. Uh, here's I'm picking Jim Harbaugh to win a big game. I know what I know. I'm doing.
0: That's, that's the hard thing is I agree that pretty much Everything in this game tells you Michigan, but Harbaugh and Michigan's record in big games, top ten teams, it is not very good at all. Um, I I think Mel Tucker gets it done. I'm I'm taking the upset here. Uh, I I just being at home, you know. There's there's something to be said about a group coming together and playing better than maybe what they envisioned and the amount of buy-in you get in those type of situations, especially over a game like this, it, this game will mean more to Michigan state than it has in gosh, a long time. And that's going to make it a whole lot of fun. And I, I think it's going to be an ugly football game, which, you know, both of those teams can live and, and feel very very comfortable in an ugly football game but i think michigan state edges it out it's probably going to be it's going to be low scoring but it's probably going to come down to some serious drama at the end
1: yeah hopefully we'll we'll see if a punter drops the oh, ball
0: <laughs> we'll see if that going to be happens. nervous going to be nervous
1: it it is interesting though you got two seven and 0 football teams number 6 versus number 8 in the country 11 a.m. central kick Now twelve there, uh, noon kickoff there, but it's just it's just weird. Like, you know that happens around here. People lose their minds. Everyone in the Big Ten is like, "Ah, it gets pretty cold at night." Yeah, let's play that sucker at eleven a.m. We're good. Yeah,
0: it's it's going to be a great environment though. It's going to be a cool game.
1: Yeah, I think game day and big noon kickoff both there. So that's a that's a big one. All right, number Big Ten's
0: about to get the the rest of the season's going to be awesome in the Big Ten.
1: Oh yeah, Uh, big time games. Now and throughout the month of November, that's going to be fun. Okay, number 10, Ole Miss. At number 18, Auburn. Ole Miss coming off a solid win over LSU, but Auburn's got a little drama surrounding Brian Harson right now, but they are nice and rested coming off the bye. So I I think it's clear that Ole Miss has an advantage, at quarterback, with Matt Corral, even if he isn't 100%. It looks solid against LSU, but... Man, we gotta give Bo Nick some respect. He's been he's been really solid this season. I mean he's like suspiciously consistent. And you have to imagine that Auburn is gonna try to run the ball right at Ole Miss. You know, with Tank Bigsby, Darquez Hunter, it's a great tandem at back. Like they have physical group along the offensive line. They're they're gonna want to control the clock, control the ball. It's it seems like it'll be one of those games where they're trying to keep Matt Corral and that offense that Jeff Levy is just dialing up week in and week out. They're going to try to keep that group on the sideline and shorten the game a little bit. And I kind of could see them succeeding at doing that. Now, Ole Miss's defense is better, but it ain't great, man. So with two weeks to prepare, I think Auburn's defense shows up in, in a big way and maybe they get a few stops when Ole Miss goes for it on fourth downs. That is, that's Lane Kiffin's thing, and those plays can, can really swing momentum in the game. Jordan Hare, that, that stadium is going to be rocking. I think I like Bo Nix and Auburn. What is wrong with me, Ted? I don't know. I, What's... I like Michigan and Auburn. <laughs> what is happening?
0: Is Corral – is he healthy?
1: He – he did not look anywhere close to 100% in the LSU game to me. But, dude, he's one of those guys. I mean, matter. he's reckless. He's always yeah. been reckless. He's going to continue to be reckless. But now he does have to think, like, he's got a future in football. Right? Yeah. So is he as reckless as he once was in this game? And I'll tell you this. Auburn, they're they're not going to finish – you know they may not be a top three team in the SEC West. They got dudes. You look yeah. at that defense; they've got big
0: ass physical dudes. Learn to slide. Get down. Crowd not yourself. not a big slide guy. Have you ever seen the movie Pre? The Running Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Prefontaine. Um, you know how his big thing was he would go out really fast in a race and make people chase him. And eventually they would fall apart. Wouldn't be able to hold that pace. That's what I see going on here. I think Ole Miss is going to pull Auburn into a shootout. And I think that Bo Nix is, is going to make some mistakes and turn the football over. But I think that's, what's going to happen. They are, Ole Miss is comfortable in a high-scoring game, giving up points. A lot of these other SEC schools are not. It's not, it's not comfortable for, for these big physical defenses go out and give up a 50-burger in a football game. And that's what Ole Miss is, is trying to drag people into, and I think they're going to have success doing that with Auburn. I, I think Ole Miss gets the win. As long as Corral's smart with the football and he stays healthy during the game, I think Ole Miss wins it.
1: We are we are split on the first two. Look yes. at us. All right, Texas at number 16, Baylor. Dude, I think this is going to be a great game. Uh, both teams coming off a bye. And I interviewed Steve Sarkeesian this week from a radio show, and it seems like they have been emphasizing finishing uh, the last yeah. couple of weeks of practice uh, with what happened against OU and what happened against Oklahoma state,
0: which and I wonder what that looks like because you were talking about on the broadcast, like their, their pregame warm warm-ups looked like uh, the middle of a training camp practice.
1: I'd never seen anything like it. Most intense warm-up <laughs> I've ever seen for an offensive line and defensive line. I couldn't believe it. I was like, and then early that OU game, I was like, well, one team was warming up and like they were ready to go smack someone in the mouth and then they kind of ran out of juice. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> right. But I, I really – and Texas is going to get some guys back off injury from what Sark said as well. So, uh, there's no doubt. I really like what I've seen from Baylor. But for whatever reason, Ted, I, I can't stop thinking about their game against Oklahoma State. And they just could not run the football against OSU. In Stillwater, they, they couldn't, and I, I don't think Texas's defense is anywhere near as good as Oklahoma State's. But I could see Texas loading up on the run, and and forcing Gary Bohannon to beat them, throwing the football. Now, while I think R.J. Sneed and Tyquan Thornton, and Ben Sims, the tight end, I think he's got some good, he's got some good athletic targets there. I just don't know if that's the situation. Gary Bohannon is going to thrive in. Like his success as a passer is very dependent on them running that outside zone scheme well in a game. Like go back and watch the Oklahoma State game. You saw his limitations as a passer when they couldn't run the football. So I like Texas in this game. Uh, I think Casey Thompson is going to bounce back and play some good football. Texas is going to have the best player on the field with Bijan Robinson. Now, it is my hope, Ted that we get some one-on-one matchups between B. John Robinson and Jalen Petrie. Jalen Petrie, for those of you that don't know, he plays nickel for Baylor. He might be Teddy and I's favorite player in all of college football. He is fantastic. He is a heat-seeking missile. They blitz him. He's great in coverage. He's physical. He can cover man-to-man, back slots. He can do it all. He's awesome. I want to see him covering B. John Robinson one-on-one and I want to see Bijan having to pick him up in blitz pickup. I want to see that yeah. matchup. That's going to be fun. But I think this is going to be a great game. Uh, I really do. I'm leaning towards Texas. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Baylor won being, with the game being in Waco. But I think Texas, they got, they got a little more on both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I'm going with Baylor. I think Baylor is – just an all-around. They don't have many weaknesses. They're they're solid offensively. They are really balanced offense, running and pass. I think their average is like two hundred forty yards a game rushing, um, and passing It's just under. It's like two thirty-five. Bohannon doesn't turn it over. He's only thrown the one interception uh, against BYU. Just really solid. Um, Thornton at, at wide receiver is is really good. They've they've done good with their backs. Uh, and defensively, their their statistics aren't great as far as like yards given up, but people don't score a lot of points on them. Right. And and they're right there in that group with Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. They're they're pretty much one, two, three in in scoring defense and in a lot of the different categories. Um, you can't get to the quarterback. They've only given up like six sacks on the year. Really hard to get to Bohannon. Um, you know, he's athletic enough to make you pay. I just think, I think they're a well-coached all around solid football team. And I, I think Texas, if Texas goes out and plays their best offensively and their best defensively, I think they beat the beat Baylor. But I think Baylor's level of play is, is way more consistent. And what you get from them, you kind of expect. I think Texas will have some peaks and valleys throughout the game, and it's that consistency that gives Baylor the win.
1: No, I'm with you. They've, they've definitely been a more consistent consistent team, and I've, I've said it many times. Jeff Grimes' system, his offensive system, what they're doing at Baylor, probably my favorite system in all of college football. I love it. Love watching it. Love breaking it down. It's great.
0: And they're probably I, getting better at it too, you know, as they go, as they get more experience. Bohan hadn't had a whole lot of, lot of football. Whenever we had played, uh, or whenever they played o- Oklahoma State earlier in the year, they were still just kind of getting rolling. One,
1: one of maybe it's the main, uh, main thing I point to to pick Texas when this game. It's like, if they lose, they'll be four and four. It's like, are they really going to be a four and four team? I, I don't know with. And they got
0: murderers row coming.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm choosing to think that the team we saw against Oklahoma in the first half and the team we saw in the first three quarters against Oklahoma state, like that Texas is going to show up and that team's going to show up and put four quarters together. I I don't know why I think that's going to happen. I think I'm an idiot for thinking it's going to happen, but it's just the way I feel, Ted. So we are a podcast divided, sir. Three for three. We're on opposite sides. Oh, this is the content. But well,
0: my picks have sucked this year. By the way, just I was to say, say uh, warning. Uh, if anyone,
1: yeah, I would lean towards siding uh, with me in this situation uh, from what we've seen this season. But okay, last one. Don't got to spend a lot of time on it. Number twenty, Penn State at number five, Ohio State. Penn State have any chance, man? I, I mean, James Franklin's name is being mentioned for all the jobs. And he's clearly locked in. He only said his focus was on Illinois twice in his press conference when they're playing Ohio State. That was so weird. But their run defense, and I do think Penn State's defense has been solid this year, but their run defense got exposed against Illinois. They say that Sean Clifford is going to be 100% for this game. I don't believe them. We've talked a lot about it on here a lot. We've talked about it on here a lot. Ohio State is absolutely rolling right now. That's a big spread. It's 18 and a half as we're recording this. But it seems like Ohio State's not going to have any problem with Penn State. Too much going on for the Nittany Lions. Ohio State's figured some things out defensively. I think they're going to absolutely get after Penn State.
0: Yeah, Franklin's going to be shocked when someone finally tells him that they lost in overtime to Illinois last week, not Ohio state. And when they land in Columbus, it's going to be like, wait, what, 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 what happened? Why uh, are I we should... here?
1: And <laughs> why should... does the other team have so many good players?
0: Yeah. I, I think Penn state is going to get absolutely rolled. I think they're a good football team, but. I think right now everyone on that team is answering questions from their parents and friends. Is, is Franklin gone? Is he leaving? Is he going to go to, to USC? Is he taking that job? I mean, there's a lot of distraction going on right now. And frankly, I think uh, James Franklin is distracted. And the way he's handled it has been terrible, <laughs> honestly. Whenever a microphone's in front of him, I mean, he gets asked that question. Yeah.
1: So we'll agree on that
0: one. All Buckeyes. All right, let's get to wet the beak, but first, Teddy. Are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? Softrock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and other outdoor spaces. Softrock's rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip-resistant, fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark or avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all your pool and patio surface needs, visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the driveway company. The driveway company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit the drivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about SoftRock and The Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834.
1: And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence, with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, let's wet the big. Game of the week is undoubtedly Green Bay at Arizona, right? Arizona right now a six point favorite, but that's Thursday night football. Some people don't listen to the podcast until Friday. Some people don't listen to it until Saturday morning, so we try to stay away from the Thursday night game. Uh, but that's going to be a great game. There's no doubt. So let's go with Sunday night football, Ted. All right, the five and one Dallas Cowboys at the three and three Minnesota Vikings. Dallas is currently a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. I'm pumped for this game, and I'm sure a lot of people that play fantasy football are as well with all the dudes in this game. That Dallas offense is rolling. They lead the league in yards per game. They lead the league in yards per play. They lead the league in points per game. Like That is an explosive offense, but a little mystery around Dak Prescott's calf. I'm assuming he's going to play and he'll go in this game, but uh, I suppose you never know. He's got all the weapons. Now, Zeke Zeke Elliott looks like himself. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz doing some really good things. It tied in. My, they activated Michael Gallup off IR. Now, we'll see if he, he if he's able to go that quickly. But they're probably getting Lyle Collins back at right tackle. I don't know if they'll start him over the steel kid or not, but he's off the suspension. However, Minnesota's defense, man, they get after the quarterback. I mean, they're tied for the league lead in sacks. Like, that group, Daniel Hunter looks like a fictional character at defensive end. It's, it's just absurd. But I, I think that Minnesota's offense is, is going to make Dallas' defense look a little like we expected them to look more, or expected them to look more often, at least, because Dalvin Cook is a dude at running back. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, that is that is a hell of a combination wide receiver. And Kirk Cousins is hes playing really well. I don't know what else to say. Like, Kirk Cousins is, has been really good so far this season. Now, we'll see if Trevon Diggs can get, get Cousins to throw him one. Seven 8
0: seven, eight.
1: He's got Ooh. seven now. It's absurd. Keep the streak going. But. I think this is going to be a really good game. And when you look at Minnesota, like the record, the three losses they've got to the Bengals, who turns out are a solid squad. They lost to the Bengals by three in overtime. They lost to the undefeated Cardinals by a point. And they lost to the Cleveland Browns, who were way healthier when they played, by seven. Minnesota ain't bad, man. This this is going to be a fun game.
0: It is. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And you mentioned it. There's just an amazing amount of star power that's going to be in this football game. Um, I I think Dallas, if Dallas is healthy, that's who. Uh, if if excuse me, if uh, Dak is healthy and that calf is fine, I'm taking Dallas to win. Um, if this was a playoff game, I'd have a different pick, but since it's regular season, Cowboys they're going to put up yards, they're going to put up points, and I think you're right. The defense has struggled for them, but, you know, Diggs has helped out. They've been opportunistic at times. And I, I just, I like their offense a little bit more than I like Minnesota's offense. I mean, they're pretty similar, but I think Prescott's a better player than Cousins.
1: Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think there's any doubt. So, yeah, I'll take Dallas as well, but I'll, all we want is to be entertained. Like especially in the primetime games, right? Sunday Night Football, we're all watching the same game. Give us a good one, guys. Come on.
0: It should be a good one. I think too. it will be good. I think it'll be really entertaining. It's going to look awesome, um, you know, in that, in that arena there. It's a beautiful stadium. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome.
1: All right. So let's get to our winners and losers of the week. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you
0: have as your winner of the week? I got to go with James Franklin. You know, I, I mentioned it that he, or we both did, that he's a little bit distracted. He's talking about Illinois and uh, getting asked all the questions about the head coaching job at USC. And I think that he, he is a top candidate for, for USC. Now, the reason he's a winner is because I don't know why he's a top candidate for, for the USC job. He is one of those guys that, has kind of failed up and he's, there's football guys and then there's salesmen. James Franklin is a salesman. He's not a football guy. He, he can, he can talk. He can, he can talk to recruits. He can talk to, uh, ADs that are, you know, interviewing him. He's really good at getting jobs. He's not really good at winning anything, of import, he's, he's up for the USC job and he's won one big 10 championship five years ago, you know, whenever the the league was a bit down. So I, it's, it's shocking to me that he's every single big job that comes up, his name gets thrown around. I, I have no idea why, because the record, what he's done does not match you know, what, what he gets thrown around with every single time. It's, it's wild to me, but Hey, it's a great place to be in. He, he's going to make a lot of money already makes a lot of money.
1: I think, I think he earned a ton of people's respect with what he did at Vanderbilt, right? You know, his second and third year there, back-to-back nine win seasons at Vanderbilt. That's hard to do, man. It, it just is. It's, it's hard to do. And, I think a lot of people look at his time at Penn state and write that he's had three eleven win seasons. Like that's pretty damn good. But I think some people are like, well, if Ohio state wasn't there, like he would, he would have more big 10 championships. I think a lot of people are like, well, they, they aren't Ohio state. He's done a pretty damn good job though. So I, I am with you. I'll say this. I have, I have talked to a lot of people over the last couple of years that have said something very similar about James Franklin, that he is not an X's and O's guy, really, that he is, he's kind of the figurehead. He, he's really good with the media, says all the right things, but he really doesn't like get in deep with, there's a place uh, for that. Yeah. There, I, I mean, that's, there's, there's a place for that. Like not everyone's Nick Saban, right? You know, head coach and mastermind. Not everyone's Lincoln Riley, but I, is that enough for USC to get back to the level that we expect from that program? Or do they need someone that is more like, Hey, forward thinking football guy, that type of situation. I I don't know, but I do think he do like, he's done a solid job recruiting to state college. It should be a lot easier to recruit to Los Angeles. Now, I say that, I, who knows? But I, I do think he'd be a good fit at USC, and I think he would embrace the celebrity that comes with having that job.
0: Oh, yeah. I think yeah, he would. I, I, think uh, I mean, there's that. no doubt.
1: But, yeah, he, he definitely has a, a car salesman feel to him. But if you take last season out of it, right. The COVID year where I think, what were they four and five? He's, he's been pretty damn solid at Penn state. I mean, those first two years weren't great, but
0: they've been, they've been pretty, pretty good. So I, yeah, well, it, it, it really, it depends on who USC can get. Um, you know, if, if they are, if they're serious about you know, trying to be back and go and win a championship, they have to get a coach that's serious about going to win a championship, not serious about positioning themselves for the next opportunity or, you know, and I, that's what I get from Franklin and maybe I'm a bit hard on him, but like they're going to have to have someone that like, there's a reason you go play for Saban. There's a reason you go play at some of these places. Cause it's a pipeline to the NFL and, I mean, USC is a sleeping giant. I mean, you know, there are some issues there. There are some problems that are going to be tough to work through. And I think, I think one of the biggest things is how long we've seen them just kind of screw around at the head coaching position and not be, not be serious about the head coaching position because I think it tells me a lot about the university. I don't think the university is serious about football.
1: I think that I he's gonna be the next guy there at USC, right? It's like all signs are pointing to him taking that job.
0: Either him or Tomlin.
1: Maybe it's maybe it's Tomlin. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. He's my winner. We'll get to that. Okay, who do you have as your loser of the week?
0: I had to go with the the guy that got Brady's six hundredth touchdown. Now, uh kudos to Tampa and and maybe Tom's representatives, I don't know who it was that did the negotiation and started throwing things at him uh, really fast. But, dude, he ended up with two signed jerseys, a Mike Evans jersey and cleats, $1,000 to the Bucks store, two season tickets, and then a Bitcoin from Tom Brady. So uh, that's 60000 ish bucks, but you got to imagine that. Six hundred touchdown for Brady. That's that's worth a lot of money, right? On the open I, market.
1: the The thing I saw was that people estimated it was worth half a million dollars. Well, that's especially maybe, I that's don't know today if you, do do you do you pay attention to like you know
0: the sports card
1: industry or like sports memorabilia? Just or whenever like that? some of
0: the big stuff comes across and it's kind of news, it's out Jordan, of this world right now. Jordan just had a
1: pair of shoes he wore like randomly in like year three or something go for like one and a half million dollars at auction yeah. the other day so
0: it's crazy here's the here's the problem like right now that thing's probably worth half a million dollars but you know in in 20 years in 50 years it's probably worth way more than that but Brady may still be playing in 20 years in like his thousandth touchdown football is going to be out there. So maybe you have to strike while the iron's hot.
1: No, I, <laughs> I saw that and I was like, good for him. And I wonder how much, you know, like what monetary value the two season tickets have. And I think it's for the rest of this season and all of next season is how I understood it. So it, it's not like he didn't get a lot, but like I said, in that situation, people, being a nice person is not going to pay off for you. You take that ball. You said we will enter negotiations after the game. When I have my legal counsel present, that is how we will do this. Here's my agent's number. (laughs) That's when, that's when you need lawyers on your side, man. I know a lot of people give lawyers a bunch of flack, but that's, that's what they're for, for that situation right there. Got to have a lawyer by you saying no, no, no more.
0: I'm having Omar. a press conference tomorrow at noon. You guys are welcome to attend that press conference.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm happy that the guy was so cool in the moment. I, the fans probably would have really booed him and gotten after him. And maybe someone beats him up and takes the ball and gives it back to him and he gets nothing. Maybe that happens. But it was, uh, I think it was a miscalculation.
0: Here's, miscalculation the real, by him. here's the real question, though. How much is that? one Bitcoin worth in 10 years? And how much is that football worth in 10 years? Which, which is worth more?
1: That is,
0: that's the question.
1: I don't know. Ask Ashton Kutcher, one of the people that are like super <laughs> dialed into that. I, I am not super dialed into the crypto stuff, uh, but does seem like, does it doesn't seem like it's now I will say, maybe it gets regulated and you know then kind of, it loses its luster Ted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know. Can't predict the future, man. I'm sorry.
0: Well, I can predict the future. The government is going to try everything in their power to regulate it. I'll tell you that right now.
1: (laughs) I, I think we're on the same page there. All right. Whiskey and bourbon drinkers. Stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones lineage single malt whiskey It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcony's Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn, and that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round in 2012. Balcones won the best in glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Mike Tomlin, right? because I, I'll say this. I've always really liked him. He's done a great job in Pittsburgh. Guy has never had a losing season in Pittsburgh. He was the youngest head coach to win a Super Bowl back when they won it. Now that he's, he, I don't know, just Ben Roethlisberger, he's not look great. I understand that. But Tomlin's still a hell, of a hell of a coach. And for whatever reason, people are throwing his name out there for college jobs. And he shut it down the way that you shut it down. I mean, that press conference him answering that question, what'd he say? Never say never, but never. It was, I mean, it was amazing. And what he the, the other line was, there's not a booster with a big enough blank check. I thought, dude, I thought the way that he handled that, especially with everything that comes along with being a college coach. Now, man, I, I thought he handled it beautifully. It was awesome. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how you could – the money is very similar. In some places in the NFL, it's even better. But I don't know how you could go from the NFL and what is required there to college and what is required there. College is an absolute nightmare. NFL, you're a football coach. That's all you do is football. So, yeah, that, that is – you're right, though, man. I love that, and I love Tomlin. He's one of my favorite head coaches in the NFL. Absolutely love that guy. Uh, love what he's about. Love the way he speaks. Love everything about him. And um, I, he, he is in a tough position right now because I, I, if you put true serum – in his arm, I think he'd tell you right now that they desperately need to turn the page from Roethlisberger. Like he needs, uh, he needs a new young quarterback to start grooming.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Man, it's sad seeing Big Ben look like that. But, Ted, the winner of the week, Oklahoma softball and loves travel stops. Now this, we are recording this Wednesday morning. By the time people listen to this Wednesday night, it will have been announced that OU's softball team is getting a new stadium. It's happening, people. It's happening. I I didn't play a big role in this, but I played a small-ish role. But Patty Gasso has built the juggernaut of college softball, and they deserve to have an elite facility in norman bigger seating capacity yes locker room all that stuff top of the
0: line yes
1: what else do you want i mean it's it's got everything baby
0: oh that's great that is so awesome fantastic i've seen the mock-ups of what what the proposed stadium is going to look like that is awesome some sweets up there, too, I believe. It, it's a beautiful facility.
1: So, yeah, our, uh, our friends at Loves dropped some serious cash.
0: Yeah. That's what I'll that's...
1: say. Serious cash. And I, I think that all OU fans are incredibly proud and love supporting the softball program. It's the best in the country. It's one of the best programs in all of college sports. When, it, when you look at the, the level of consistency that has been established, under Patty Gasso. The women that have played there deserve it. They had a hand in this. The women that are playing there now deserve it. The women that will play there in the future deserve this. Let's go.
0: I love that because, you know, we've talked about it before. If you go or when you go to the SEC, our facilities are, as they sit right now, way down the list in softball in that conference. There's some unbelievable facilities out there. Uh, all, or uh, A&M a and has an amazing one. So, yeah, this is much needed, and I love it. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, so you, you know before everyone else. Now, when everyone listens to this, when we, we publish the podcast, people will know all the details and, you know, the square feet and all the stuff and the capacity and all that. I didn't want to get into all of that stuff, but, yeah, it's pretty sweet, man. And That's I will say awesome. – the uh the AM uh stadium did come up in the discussions. It was like, oh, it, I mean, we got it's gotta be better than
0: AM. It's gotta be better than AM. I love it. Yes. So now so you awesome.
1: can start because
0: they, they host the
1: the SEC softball tournament in Tuscaloosa, I believe, at Bama's facility. Now it's our mission to get that thing to Norman.
0: Yeah, let's do it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so I love
1: congratulations it. to Patty Gasso into the softball program. You deserve it. You earned it. Let's go. Okay, my loser of the week. Thought about going with Bally Sports, man. I am... They already don't air any of the OU football shows we do at the correct times, and people tweet me about it all the time. They're like, hey, where's Coach's Corner? Where's Lincoln's show? Where's the huddle? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't work at Valley Sports. I, I don't know what to tell you. But, Ted, I almost lost it because the Thunder were actually winning, on Tuesday night against the Warriors. And the game shifted in the third quarter. The Warriors made a run, but we couldn't see any of it because there were technical difficulties from Valley Sports. And I was like, like it literally lasted 15 minutes. Couldn't watch the game live. That's why I have cable. I still have cable. What is their problem? I don't know. What is? Uh, how can we help? Maybe that's the question. It's like, wh- help us help you. Because right now, it's a shit show at times. I don't, and people, the fans are getting mad,
0: man. Well, why do they keep screwing it? Are they just screwing up the Oklahoma end of it, or is it all of their stuff?
1: I, I have to assume it's all of their stuff. Gotta be. Right? Wow. It can't just be the OU stuff, or the uh, F- Valley Sports Oklahoma stuff. Like, it, I don't know, man, but...
0: I think Fox threw like a... A glitch in the system whenever they sold everything to him. It's like have fun with this guys.
1: Good luck. <laughs> Good luck with the regional sports networks, guys. But yeah, we'll man, it's
0: back for a fraction of the price.
1: It's like we're, you know, Shea gilgis Alexander is cooking. And I don't I, I don't get to watch it. I don't get to watch Josh Giddy run up and down with that beautiful hair, great court Brutal. vision. Like, what are we doing? Dort no. Dort had Steph Curry in the torture chamber and I didn't even get to watch it for 15 minutes. Ridiculous. Get it together. Let's go. But my loser of the week. And by the time, you know, game two of the world series will be happening uh, on Wednesday night. But man, my loser of the week? It's, it's gotta be Atlanta Braves pitcher, Charlie Morton. Ouch. I mean, you talk about now he's a winner and a loser, I guess, but, mainly a loser because he doesn't get to pitch in the World Series anymore. He took a comebacker straight to the leg in the second inning of game one of the World Series. And I was actually watching it. I do, I, I like watching the World Series. I like the drama of it. And when it happened, I was like, oh man, that, that couldn't have felt like it hit his leg so hard that it ricocheted right to the first baseman for an easy out. And I was like, oh man, that had to really hurt. Well, turns out it actually broke his fibula. It <laughs> is right, leg. That is so, I was crazy. Like, so, so clearly that sucks for him, but he did keep pitching. So I want to show that man some respect, right? So he takes it to the leg. He ends up throwing 10 more pitches there in the second inning, struck a guy out, got another guy to line out, and went into the dugout, sat in between the innings, came back out for the third, and on a broken leg, sits Jose Altuve's little ass down, strikes him out, before he realized, like, the last pitch of the I-Bat, he's like, oh, my leg really hurts. Yeah, that's because it's broken, Charlie. I just – now, the Braves got the win, but it, it's going to have a big effect on the series, them not having him the rest of the way. But I will say, when a baseball guy does a tough guy thing, I'm going to show him some respect. So, bravo, Charlie Morton. That was pretty badass, man.
0: Dude, smashing – Your shin on something is one of the most painful things. I can't even imagine how bad that hurt. Just had to be so brutally painful. Have you ever been like someone's leg swings and whips into your leg on a football field? Oh, it it is just like the most (laughs) excruciating pain ever. And I, I imagine that was probably worse like that, like such a direct impact. Oh, brutal. Tough guy.
1: Tough guy. Proud of you, Charlie Morton. Not great for the Braves, though, but hey, I I don't know who people want to win that. I I know a lot of people still don't like the Astros. I don't care at all. I just want to be entertained. Like, give me the drama, people. I want the Braves do. I want closer games than game one. Yeah. Game one was that. That that's not the vibe I'm looking for. That's not what I want.
0: We'll have we'll have some good games. I'm I'm sure of it. All right. Episode 159 in the
1: books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Of course, we will recap OU Texas Tech. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can, oh, 94.7 The Ref. It's 94.7 yes. The Ref now, people. Sorry. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.